Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixty-four of Tendy Talk, presented by the BLPA and the Hockey Podcast Networks. I am your host, Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. This week, I chat with another fellow Hockey Podcast Network host, Shane Ryan of the Sens Hour Podcast and the Thirteenth Man Sports Podcast. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Shane. Well, Shane, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Uh, nice to talk to you, and uh, welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. I know we tried planning something uh, before the new year, but that kind of kind of got squashed. So, yeah, uh, the joys of being a father, right? Kind of. Yep. Kind of mercy of your child. <laughs> Luckily, I've got two of my own. Uh, they're they're a little bit older now, so I, I get it. I, uh, you know, even with the. Uh, soon to be 15 and a 13 and a half year old, same struggles. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't get much better until they're like 18 and then they can go out on themselves and you don't have to worry about them too much. You know, I, as I get older, my kids get older. I, I almost uh, think that that's almost worse because then it's like, okay, what are they doing versus when they're at home, just not going to bed. That's easy. <laughs> True. Yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a ways away to worry to worry about that though. Yeah, no, just this weekend, my wife took my daughter out for the uh, first time to do some practice driving as she's starting driver's ed here at the end of the month, and it was like, oh my god, we've hit that stage already. Yeah, it's uh, those milestones creep up on you. Yeah, yeah. Although I just keep asking, can't we invest in a car service for her? Um, do do we have to let her drive? <laughs> That's yeah. Fair. So, how how old's your little one? Uh, she is uh, fourteen months. Oh, that's a really fun time yeah. then. 
Oh yeah, she's on the go constantly, always running around, getting her hands into everything that she can. Yep. So. You know, it's it's funny because she's at that age where you're probably starting to, if you haven't already started uh, potty training, and a lot of dads I talk to, they're like, "Oh man, I I, I can't wait till they're potty trained." And I look at them, I go, "No, you can't wait till you've bought your last box of diapers." Cause just cause they're potty trained doesn't mean you're done with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh we're getting there and hopefully, but I mean, yeah, that's, that's probably not another, like it's sometime this year, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried too much about it. Yeah. With, with our daughter, we, we kind of rushed her into it when we found out uh, we were having almost Irish twins. They're 15 months apart. So it's was like, oh, we, we can't be buying diapers for two for that long so we, we kind of pushed her along <laughs> yeah I mean hey that any reason to get it done quicker right yeah exactly exactly so let's talk some hockey you know you're Canadian so it's obvious how you got into the sport uh but you know how how did you get started in it you know was it mom and dad played you had older siblings you know how did you get started skating so it's funny like I never really had that family uh connection in terms of how I got started playing like because my my mom like the age gap between her and her siblings are so wide like my cousins are so much older than me like I'm the youngest in the family and the cousins uh like range so it's uh like my older cousin one of my older cousins big goalie so like I had that but honestly I just love the position I I grew up watching, you know, uh, Bordeaux, Luongo, you know, uh, Belfour, Joseph Hassan. Like I watched those guys. Those yep. are my favorite players to watch. You know, Liam was fantastic in Ottawa. And I just gravitated towards the position. I just always wanted to be a goalie. I loved it. Uh, I loved playing it. I still do. Um, if I don't play it as much as I used to, I still love the position. But, yeah, I just got into it. And uh, I don't know how it works in the States, but – in in Canada, they try to allow everyone to play every position when mm-hmm. you're at a at a young age. Yeah. Um, like I started playing hockey when I was like eight, so my first two years, they're like, oh yeah, you know, everyone can play a position, but no one on my team really wanted to be a goalie my first year outside of me. So they're like, you know what, we're gonna make you the goalie. So basically, not even like halfway through the year, I was the designated goaltender for my team, and that doesn't usually happen very often. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky in that sense, but yeah, it's always been a position where I'm like, I love this position. It's probably one of the funnest to, to play. Um, and I mean, I agree with the saying that it takes some kind of crazy to play it. Absolutely. You know, it, it's interesting. Cause yeah, USA hockey, they, they uh, push for everybody to play, especially, you know, at the might level, everybody's got to take turns, but it, you hear so often, there's usually that one kid on the team where it's like, I'm the goalie. I'm going to be a goalie. I just want to play goalie now. Like stop making me skate out. I I started playing as a squirt. So that I, I forget what age level that is. It's just after mites pretty much. But um, it, and it was like, no, I, I want to be a goalie. You know, the team I played on that first year, we had two goalies. So the coach said, if you're not playing this game, you're skating out. And we just rotated, you know, it was like, okay, that works. I still get to play goalie, but then when it's not my game, I don't have to sit on the bench. That worked for me. Uh, and that was really the last time I skated out with the exception of one spring. I had a buddy moving away. I signed up for spring hockey late. So I was like, yeah, we can be on a line together. I'll play. And so 
we did. And th those are the only two times I've been a forward. Yeah, see, I, I didn't mind playing forward. I, I was a winger. Um, Keatley was my favorite forward, so I was lucky yeah. enough my first two years to grab number 15. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Um, but I was always a big kid, so, like, I I was – which made me in goal so much easier because I was like, most of these kids at my age aren't going to be able to, like, move the puck up. They're not going to be able to do a lot of things that, like, the older kids would do. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know, I just always loved – being a goalie and I mean I played like I play offensive line in football and it kind of takes the same mentality to play both positions because you're getting you know you're in the brunt of everything it takes that kind of mentality to be in those things it's yeah. just like it just kind of was natural to me to be put in that yeah so complete side tangent because we're goalies so you play football growing up in Canada now youth high school football in Canada, do you guys play Canadian football rules or do you play American football? You know, what, so, what do you guys play growing up? So we played Canadian. I mean, I didn't play high school because it's actually in Ottawa, at least like we have football in the last probably like five years has taken a complete like left turn for the better mm -hmm. in terms of amateur football. There's been so much more growth in it than it was when I was playing. But I played city ball. I played a little bit of provincial, but it was more, it's just all full three downs. Um, there are some leagues though that did play four downs under, but with Canadian rules, just because they wanted to, to kind of, yeah, kind of show that, okay, these guys can play. There is uh, a, a seniors league that plays four down rules. Um, it's just because I guess it's easier and, no, yep. there, there's there's no age uh, restriction, so you can play 18 all the way until you want to play. So I guess their thought process is four downs. It's a little bit easier, but yeah, I play Canadian football. I mean, I don't mind American, but I mean, I I'm not I'm not the biggest NFL fan. I I, I much prefer NCAA or or the CFL yep. or the NFL in terms of like pace of the game. Yeah. Uh, but I've played both, and they're both. To me, they're both still fun to play. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's still football. And I like here in the States, we're starting to uh, be able to watch the CFL a lot more. Um, it, and it's fun because, A, we, I don't quite know all of the rules, but I know enough of them to understand the game. You know, because you guys got some goofy ones here and there. It's like, what, what are they doing? <laughs> Excuse me, what are they doing? And it's like, oh, okay. You know, so it's kind of nice that we're able to see more of the Canadian game now and I remember as a kid, every now and then on like ESPN or something, you'd catch a CFL game, but not enough to really know what was going on with that craziness. Um, so I, I'm happy that there's more access to it here now. Yeah, I know. I think it's what ESPN and ESPN, uh, their, their streaming service, I've basically, between the two of them, got basically all the games now, but mm -hmm. it's usually, yeah. I think, on ESPN Plus or something like that yep. for, for most of the season. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's great seeing a lot of Americans who I've talked to. They're like, yeah, I started watching it. It's on ESPN. You know, it, I, it's just kind of a fun filler. And, like, trust me, you're not the only person who's been confused by some of our rules. I know <laughs> yeah. uh, the Rouge is a big one. Yeah. Um, the the three downs kind of confuse people. Like, why the less down? Yeah, uh, the, the first time you watch it, you're like, why are they punting on third down? This makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but honestly, there's a couple of rules I think this, the NFL could uh, could adopt that would make the game better. Yeah, 
Absolutely. So. Uh, so back to goaltending. I mean, you mentioned the goalies I idolized growing up. You know, Belfour, Hashik, Wah. Um, I didn't have the appreciation for Berdur until I was older and he was older because I, I've mentioned it before in talking to people on the podcast. At that time, you had guys like Wah. You had the Hashik at the top of his game. So it was, you know, you look at it and Berdur was good, but he didn't seem like the best one at that particular juncture in time until you look back and see his body work. In fact, um, Neil from the Devils podcast, you know, we were talking about it. And if, if you think about it, Hashik is the best goalie ever. If you look at a period a one set period in time, you know, there's like that three year span where nobody can argue he was the greatest in the game. But if you look at Brodeur and his longevity, his career spanned what four decades? Does he play in the yeah the mid nineties, like ninety five through until yeah, I think like so three decades at least. Yeah, it's like his longevity, and he played in at least three different distinct eras, and he was among the best in all three of them. Uh, and he still had the small equipment for all three, so it made made his um, accomplishments later on in his career to me all the more impressive. And I, I think one of the things that really uh, hurt him in the eyes of some at the time was the New Jersey devil's trap. They're like, well, anybody can play back there. And it's like, yeah, but if you looked at the shots he was getting, even though there weren't that many, they were high danger shots. You know, you look at um, like Brian Decord's new app for goalies and the way they uh, track and average out, you know, uh, anticipated goals against, you know, Berdur was, probably stopping more than he should have at that time yeah and I mean I never got to watch uh prime Patrick Waugh yeah so like I I'm an I'm a 97 baby so Patrick Waugh was kind of near the decline of his career it's the same thing with Hasek like mm-hmm. both those two guys even Belfour in that case were kind of in the decline of their year like they were in their back half of their career mm-hmm. kind of when Berger was kind of hitting the middle of yeah. his <laughs> career so Berder for me was was my fa- is my favorite goaltender of all time. Yeah. Because I watched him from basically his prime through till the end of his career. And you watch the things that he did. And maybe it's also because I watched him basically win that 2003 series against Ottawa single handedly. Yeah. yeah. Um, it kind of was like, wow, like this guy, like it just shows you how a very, like an elite Hall of Fame level goaltender could do for a team yeah and I just had I just kind of fell in love with him the way he played the game that carefree mind like that carefree attitude of like I'm just gonna do whatever I can to make a save but I'm also not gonna you know hot dog or showboat or like try to do something I don't have to do and I think that's kind of a lot of that in Marc-Andre Fleury I think too another guy who in what I would consider his prime I didn't appreciate him I thought he was overrated um, and now that he's had that longer career and still at the top of the league, same thing, you know, not showboating, just going out there, having fun, uh, making the saves when he has to. Uh, I, I see a lot of parallels between those two. Yeah. And I mean, every goaltender showboats at one point or like oh, yeah. one point in time, like it just happens, but you can tell when watching Patrick Wall and the, uh, Dominic Hassan is that there were times where they were intentionally, 
making a big save to rub it in the shooter's face. Yeah. You didn't really you don't really see that with Berdur in any of his highlights. It doesn't really feel like he he over exaggerated a save. It's the same thing with Flurry. It's the reason why I really like Price. It's the yep. same thing. He doesn't really over exaggerate a save to make it like showboaty in the player's face. Yep. Um and it's just it's interesting watching these different like elite level goaltenders when it, especially in this era because you know you have guys like Jordan Bennington who you know however you want to feel about him he's probably you know a top 10 top 15 in the league yeah but you're seeing a lot of those kind of goaltenders who are really good they kind of don't last long they don't have right. long careers the Jim carries yeah they just if if you're going to put a negative impact on the team eventually that skill is going to start to decline. And if you can't adjust, yeah, you're, you're done for. Yeah. Well, and to your point too, a, a perfect example of the goaltender who's great in, but didn't have the longevity, Jonathan quick. I thought he was going to have a much longer, you know, run of dominance. You know, he had yeah. four or five years, but then injuries and whatnot caught up to him. Yeah. I mean, I think the injuries are the bigger part. Mm-hmm. He relied so much on his athleticism going side to side. Yeah. And he, I think he, he injured his hip in like 2016. Yeah. And hip injuries are one of the hardest as a goaltender to come back from. Yeah. He hasn't and been the same. Yeah. And, he, and he's shown glimpses of it, especially this year, like, uh, like the 2021 calendar year, he has shown glimpses of his former self, but you know, it's like why I'm kind of curious about Tuka Rask. Like is Tuka yeah. Rask going to be able to come back and be as effective as he was in previous years after this injury, we'll find out. But I agree. Quick was one of those guys that was up and coming, and then a, a improper injury or an ill-timed injury has kind of just derailed it. Absolutely. You know, and it's interesting because I look at some goalies who they didn't necessarily dominate, but they were good, and they didn't quite maybe get the chances. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, a guy like Enroth, who, you know, still playing in Sweden. Um, and it's like, he could probably still be playing in the NHL if given the chance, but people look at him, well, you're, you're not the next up and coming. So we're going to move on from you. It's kind of like some of these guys, I wonder how they would do, but then you, you look at a guy like um, quick and now uh, Rask, it's like, what if, they would have been in a good platoon system of a one A and a one B. Would that have made a difference to their career? You know, not as many games, but would would they have dominated longer? Possibly, and that and that's the big what if. I, yeah. The one goal, there's two goaltenders that when you talk about goaltenders who were good and if in any better situation would have been considered probably top tier goaltenders in the NHL. Jimmy Howard in Detroit and Cam mm-hmm. Ward in Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like if you actually put like watch their body of work when they were in their prime, these two goaltenders were ridiculous. If you yeah. put them in any other situation, especially the last like half of Jimmy's career where you could start seeing the cracks in Detroit, yeah. how much better they would have like he would have been perceived yeah. in a different team. No, I, I think those are two great examples because a Hawks fan, you know, I, I had my eye on Detroit for a long time until they moved them out of out into the Eastern Division or a conference, I mean. And yeah, he was coming up. I'm going, you know, how how does he? It was almost like uh, 
Green Bay in football, it's like you get one Hall of Fame quarterback retiring, so you just bring up another one. And as a Bears fan, I'm like, how is that even possible? We can't get find one in my lifetime. Um, in, in Detroit, it was kind of the same way. Osgood, I don't care what you say, belongs in the Hall of Fame. And then, like, I agree. And now you have Jimmy Howard coming behind him. I'm like, man, that's just not fair. But yeah, he just he didn't have the team in front of him. Cam Ward, I mean, luckily he got that Stanley Cup his rookie year, but then things went downhill in Carolina, you know, and that's a hockey market that if they could just keep things going for, you know, a couple of years stretch, that's a market that is kind of a quiet hockey hotbed. Yeah. And I mean, people are like, Oh, it's not going to work. Well, it's like, I know a lot of people like make fun of Carolina as one of those teams. And it's like, yeah, it's not going to work because you had nine years of losing. Who's going to go out and support a team that's, consistently losing why why would you do that why would you waste money yeah like supporting a team that's just gonna consistently lose and be at the bottom of the league year in and year out like you have to like yeah the diehards are gonna still support it but if you're expecting casual fans which most of the nhl market is like i think the idea that like the nhl market is just all diehards or majority diehards that's not the case majority of hockey fans are you know casual fans who will yep. support a team that's competitive yep. because they want to support a competitive team. They don't want to support a loser. Well, and here, you're here's not trying to, you know, for, for just me and my wife, not me and, you know, the whole family to go to a game, it's a four or $500 evening for us. You know, by the time we buy tickets, pay for parking, you know, get a drink or two at the game. And of course we got to get nachos because that's how I am. You know, it's like, by the time that's on, that's a $500 night for us. If we bring the kids, we're looking at $1,000. So, yeah, you're not going to get the diehard fans because the diehard fan can pay for their ticket and pay for parking, and they'll have a beer before they get into the arena. So, you know, it's it's a relatively cheap night. Um, but the, the casual fan, that's, that's not what they're looking for. So it might be only one or two games a year they go to. And then if it's on TV, they're you know they're going to watch it. But that's I think what's hurting Carolina is the price of the game. But thank God for Rod Brindamore kind of revitalizing that franchise. Oh yeah, I mean he he's probably been the best thing for that franchise uh, being named coach. But again, like I think there there's four markets that kind of are the reason why everyone's like, oh, if you're an attendance issue, you're just in a bad market. Yeah. That's the Rangers, the the Leafs, Boston, and arguably now, I mean, you it probably could have been Chicago, but it's oh, different yeah. in Chicago now. But even Detroit, like, yep. you look at how the Detroit Red Wings fans have kind of embraced the last couple of years and have still shown support. Yep. You know, Toronto fans will show support no matter who's on the ice or how bad they're playing. You know, Edmonton could be lumped in there too. Like there's been so many, there's like five to like seven fan bases that have created this idea of like, you're going to support this team no matter what, yep. or you're not a real fan or you're not a real hockey market. And it's like, that's not how it works, especially in the States when you have so many other teams available to watch. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you're right. The, the Hawks um, growing up with them. And when I was growing up, home games weren't on TV because Bill Wirtz, Dollar Bill is a fan's, called them, thought if the games were on TV, people wouldn't come to the games. 
And it was like, no, people didn't come to the games because the old Chicago Stadium was in the worst part of the city. That was the problem. Um, you know, but they were still selling out, having good games. I mean, you only went into that part of town on game night. Um, and it wasn't until kind of that late nineties, early two thousands that Hawks fans got fed up and they said, you know what, we're still going to support this team. We're going to watch every game that we can on TV, but we're not going to give you our money anymore. We're, We're tired of giving you money for just to put a terrible team out there. And that's what happened literally until the day he died and his kids took over the team. And within like a month, home games were on TV. Uh, You know, luckily they had Kane and Taves already in the system uh, and things were turning around, but it it was really uh, fans. They kind of got fed up with supporting them for so long that they said the, the only way to, you know, make ownership feel it is to not show up to the games. And I, I, I'm guessing if I went back and looked at, you know, merchandise sales, they were still top half of the league. It was just, we're not going to show up to games and act like we support the garbage you're throwing out here. I mean, they, they hired a coach named Elpo Suhonen, whose previous job was like conductor of a symphony orchestra in Sweden. <laughs> you know, that was one of their coaches. And it was like, how does this even happen? Thank God Elpo didn't last too long. I mean, even like the day he was hired, there was already jokes about, you know, the coach being dog food because of the Elpo dog food that was out there is just like, that was the gong show that was happening. That was kind of a last straw for fans. And they went, we're not going to give you our money anymore. We love the team, but we're not going to give you our money. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate because there's such a, there's such a thin line between wanting to support, the players on the team because mm-hmm. they shouldn't be impacted by negative, uh, you know, negative ownership. Yep. And realize and, and being like, well, we can support you guys, but this owner needs needs to put money into the team. And I think, as a sense fan, that's kind of where we're at with uh, with Melnick is that like we want to go support guys like Kachuk and Norris and Batherson and Co. And he's he's put money into it like he said he would. He he spent the big bucks. He's got Kachuk signed. He got Batherson signed. So like he is living up to his word. But it's like the on ice product. Like we haven't really moved the needle yet. And yeah, we have prospects in the system. And Pierre Dorian's job is extremely difficult. You know, you have to you know wage the the battles of waiting for these prospects to develop or or potentially bringing in like a, a log jam in certain positions. It's not an easy job. Mm-hmm. But I can understand why fans are like we don't want to we don't want to go to games we don't want to spend money on a, on a team that's going to finish bottom five consistently. So it's in that weird that weird limbo state in Ottawa right now. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I mean that was a team where you know they were good for quite a long time, and you know fans probably got used to it. Uh, <laughs> and then then you had yeah, the rebuild I mean, start, and it's taken too long. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think is that it took too long. I just think it's like Ottawa had to make a choice on you have these guys like Carlson, Stone, you bring in Duchesne, and you have to make a choice, like mediocrity, because Ottawa has a consistently missed the playoffs and made the playoffs mm-hmm. and whatnot, or you rebuild completely, start from scratch, and it's going to be a four- or five-year process because yep. you have to rebuild the the prospect pool. And the pro- like. 
were not, we were in Detroit when they decided to start the rebuild that they had Tyler Bertuzzi and Dylan Larkin in their system. Right. And they just had to add pieces. Like Ottawa legitimately had, they had Shabbat, which was fantastic. That's great. But they had to add, you know, Kachuk. Batherson was a fourth round pick. So no one really expected him to turn out the way he has. So my my argument to Sens fans is about, oh, when the rebuild started, the rebuild started ahead of the 18-19 season. So we're realistically in year four. Mm-hmm. But like, you can also argue that because of the short, like the fact that. Yeah. Is it really year three? Season, <laughs> yeah. It's really only year three. Like, I made the because people since fans were like, "Oh, fire DJ Smith, fire DJ Smith." I'm like, "Why are you going to fire a coach?" And this was literally like early in, in during the 2021 season. Why? And I mean, I got on the board a little bit because I felt like he wasn't learning from his mistakes. Mm-hmm. But it's at the same time like, "Why are you going to fire a coach who has less than a full season's worth of games?" Like he didn't hit his full season worth of games until like yeah. game 11 or 12 of last season. And he's done fairly well with what he has. It's not like Colleton in Chicago, who has, a, on paper, a playoff team, but was not producing, you know, and players were towing the company line saying, yeah, we believe in his systems and everything else. But when you read between the lines, they're saying it, it's too complicated. Um, you know, so they get rid of them and then they go on a tear right away. And, you know, they, they've leveled off a little bit. They've had some injury issues. Um, but Derek King showed, you know, yeah, that this is a better team than what he was coaching. But I, I don't sense that with the uh, Senators that they're underperforming for the most part. I mean, yeah, every team has that span where they just suck. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they've been, in my opinion, performing to expectations. I mean, they've definitely been playing below, uh, like below play compared to last year. But you know, you lost Colin White before the season, mm-hmm. and you're already relatively thin center wise. You lose Shane Pinto, like three games into the season. You, you know, yeah, we lost Clark Bishop like right at training camp, and he's our entering the the team as our fifth center. But for a team that's already weak at center losing three of your top five centers is going to hurt. Right. Um, and we don't, you know, Formington wasn't really playing up to expectations at the beginning of the year. Um, same with, you know, Stutzla was looking good, but he was paired with like, you know, Nick Paul and Connor Brown. And as much as I like Nick Paul, he's a bottom six center or bottom six player. Very good one. Yep. Every, Not every- a, good team needs a really good bottom six player yeah he, he's a great bottom six guy he and, and he would be a great bottom six guy for any playoff team but when you have an, a player of tim stutzel's caliber playing him with a bottom six player and a borderline bottom like middle nine guy you're not going to produce a lot so like yeah he's been able to to get you know put in a team that has been able to stay competitive for the most part but there's definitely been a lot of patchwork. And I think because of that, fans are like, they still don't understand that. Okay. He's doing the best that he can with what we have. Yeah. And the market just isn't in Ottawa's favor to go out and make a trade for, you know, a top six center or a top six winger without giving up something of value. Right. Right. And, you know, it's, it's one of those where you can say it's almost a story to tell as old as time where, you know, it's 
an issue that isn't unique to Ottawa either. You know, every team goes through it. I mean, you look at Colorado and the troubles they had for a couple of years, you know, where they had some great top line players, but they didn't have the depth to surround them. Uh, now they're getting more of that. And now they're an underperforming powerhouse, <laughs> you know, yeah, basically. <laughs> The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win and 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That, that, that one's interesting to me, and that, that's a whole other case study. And th- then you've got Anaheim, who you could say came out of nowhere, but when, when you step back, you go, no, they, they just sneakily put together a really good team. They have the goaltending. Like, yeah. I think people were, were like, I, it was funny because I was on, uh, on the episode with uh, Nick uh, and Neil on the hockey hotbed that – yeah will be premiering Friday. Um, and I meant, uh, they, uh, Nick asked what our storyline, our top storyline of the, the season so far is, and I mentioned Anaheim, because you have Brian uh, Gibson, who has, or is it Brian Gibson? No, it's not. It's um, John, John Gibson. John Gibson. I don't know why I, I, don't know why I thought Brian, but uh, <laughs> John Gibson, there we go. That's his name. Um, Too many pucks to the head. Been, it's because they had a guy named Brian Gibbons and I got yeah. them confused. Um, so John Gibson, who has arguably probably underperformed the last couple of years, but he was still considered, you know, a top end American goaltender yep. ahead of the 1920 season. Like he was right there with Hellebuck and, you know, arguably those were going to be your top two at whenever the, like if you were going to the Olympics, those were going to be your top two. Then he struggled the last two years, and people were like, okay, well, is he really that good? Is he starting to regress already? And he's come out this year, and he's been stellar. And you add in the the young scoring that Anaheim is getting with, like, Troy Terry, you know, Zegers has been amazing, and they've just surprised a lot of people. And a big part of that is because Gibson has looked like Gibson of old, and he has the run support to go with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and Gibson, I think it's a classic example of, you know, a guy that just needed a few years, 
to acclimate and really mature because when you move up from one level to the next, the game's faster and sometimes you adapt, you know, to go back to football again, you know, you used to see a quarterback sat on the bench for three, four years, and then they would get their, their shot. That's exactly what happened to Aaron Rodgers, and look how it turned out for him. Um, now you got teams like the Bears who they draft a quarterback, and they're like, let's throw him in the first year, and it doesn't work out. But three, four, five years down the line, it's like, okay, now, now they've truly learned the pro game, and they've acclimated, and now they're playing the way everybody thought they would. And I, I think yeah, that's yeah. what it is for Gibson. He may, may maybe needed to mature a little bit before they brought him up, and maybe he was rushed into it. Yeah, and I mean he's twelve nine and six with a two sixty four goals against and a nine seventeen save percentage. He like that, that's still pretty impressive for a team like Anaheim, who you know. It's hard because you have so many young players; they're not always going to perform. Yeah, you know, it helps having a guy like Trevor Zegers on your team, though. (laughs) True, like he has three straight games or four straight games of all above nine hundred save percentages. It's it's like, yeah, he struggled the last couple of years, but he is still like the last two years. He still had like a nine hundred three save percentage. You know, he still had an under, you know, three or under goals against, like. He has still been quietly good while the team around him has sucked, and now you're finally starting to see the team around him better, and yep. people are finally realizing, oh, he he's good because the team's winning. And even though, because I think feel a lot of fans always look at the win losses, and they're like, it's always about the win losses. It's not always about the win losses because there are times right. where you know you carry Price for the longest time, carried Montreal, Ryan Miller yep. carried Buffalo. Not always about the win-losses. Well, look at Montreal. You know, with Price, they go to the finals. And then this year, they're a dumpster fire without him. You know, it's it's funny sometimes when when you have a talented goaltender. I mean, that kind of happened to the Hawks a little bit when they decided to move on from Corey Crawford. You know, it was like you had steady Eddie back there. And now, now you got a carousel, and you know, yeah, Flurry's been a godsend for them. They have some good youth in the minors, and in fact, I think they got a couple of good guys that could turn into quality number one goalies. But they need to treat them like they did Crawford. Crawford spent, I think, it was four years in the AHL before they brought him up. Um, I think Delia could possibly be that next guy for them, or Lankinen. You know, they got those two guys, and. Then they draft or sign this kid out of, I think it was Sweden, Soderblom. Uh, he might be finished. I forget off the top of my head. But, you know, so they, they got three really good young goaltenders. It's just they need them all to play. And, they, you know, they, they don't have that luxury of saying, you guys are on a rotating basis down in Rockford. It's one of you has to be our backup. Now we need somebody on the taxi squad. So it's like they're not even getting games in. Yeah, see, I always thought it was weird that Rockford was the Chicago's affiliate. I know they've been affiliates for, like, super long time. Yep. But I just was like, oh, you have a team in Chicago. Yeah. That was that – I would, like, when I was growing up, like, I, I was – like, uh, I got into the AHL because of EA Sports. Like, that, yeah. that's how I really got embraced into the AHL because I obviously knew about it and whatnot. But, like, I didn't really know about it and, like, I didn't really care about it until 
I started playing Chell and it was in Chell consistently. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, oh, a team in Chicago that must be, you know, the Wolves must be the Blackhawks affiliate yeah. because they're in the same city. And it's like, nope. They're everyone else's affiliate but Chicago's. Chicago's is Rockford. Yeah. And I'm like, I know that you guys have been like suit like for a very long time, but it just always it was always a head scratcher. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. One, the Hawks actually purchased the Ice Hogs this year, so they're they're going to be their affiliate for here on out. For, but yeah. the Wolves, aside from having one of the best jerseys and logos in the game, uh, severely underrated, in my opinion, that maroon jersey. Um, for the longest time, they were an independent team, so they weren't affiliated with anybody. So the Hawks, if they had a guy that was going to be on a short-term rehab assignment, they would send him to the Wolves uh, because they were right there. Uh, but that was back when their affiliate was Norfolk, the Admirals. So it was like, okay, we can send them to the Wolves. They're close enough. We can check on them. Our doctors can still work with them. It all worked out. And then the Wolves decided to start becoming an affiliate with different teams. The worst is when they were affiliated with the Blues. And a lot of Hawks fans are like, we, we like that we have a team in town, but we can't go cheer for Blues prospects. Like, come on now. <laughs> uh, Wolves loyalists, they stuck with them. And then I think they were a Vancouver affiliate for a while. And again, Hawks fans are like, hello, that doesn't work well for us. Then they were the Vegas affiliate. Now I think they're with... Um, Carolina. Yeah, Carolina. Um, so now Hawks, with Florida. Yeah. Hawks fans are like, okay, we'll, we'll go back to Wolves games because they're nice and close and cheap. And it, it's a fun time. I, I've gone to quite a few Wolves games. In fact, when they beat the Bridgeport Sound Tigers for the uh, uh, Calder Cup, me and my dad were at the game. I, I was interning at ABC News in Chicago that summer. And uh, we're out on assignment, not far from our house. And my dad calls me and I pick up and he's like, hey, it's game seven tonight. Do you want to go? I was like, oh, did you get tickets? He goes, no, nah, but I'm thinking maybe we'll be able to drive up there, go to the box office and see if they have anything. And he goes, and if they don't, we'll go to one of the bars right there and watch the game. I was like, all right, sounds fun to me. So we go up there and got two standing room only tickets for all the way at the top of the Allstate Arena. And uh, we get there. The lights are already down dark uh, for their you know, a little laser show and everything beforehand. So my dad, being my dad, he's like, I got to hit the can before we go in. It's like, all right, fine. And then we grab our beers and we're just standing along the back and the swimming comes up to us. Can't hear it because it's so loud. And finally I hear, you know, do you want better seats? And I go, yeah. So I grab my dad. He's like, what? He's like, follow me. So we wound up being the fans of the game. We we're sitting in recliners, like, just, a, you know, above kind of the main section. Great views. And it was in the, it was in the end that if it was just a regulation game, the Wolves would have only shot, would have shot on twice. Um, but because it was like a triple overtime game, it, it was even more. And I just remember we had these two old nuns sitting to the left of us. And they were the loudest most obnoxious fans I've ever sat next to, which was great. And thunder sticks were still the big thing. So the whole game, they're pounding those things together. I had a headache for like three days afterwards because of it. But, you know, so we get to sit in these recliners for a three overtime game seven 
game. And it was like, this was perfect. Yeah, I mean, I, I do a couple of Belgium since they've come back or since Binghamton has moved to Belleville. And it's a great atmosphere. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, the beauty of living in Ottawa is that you're not very far from any hockey. Yeah. You have the, we have the 67s. We have the Senators. You can, there's a two-and-a-half-hour drive to Belleville. It's a two-and-a-half-hour drive to Montreal if you want to catch a Canadiens game. You can go to Laval and catch a Laval Rockets game. Mm-hmm. There, there's kind of hockey all around us. Um, so I've gone to a couple of Belleville games. and going like Belleville was huge hockey. They had the Bulls for the longest time. Yeah. They supported that team like crazy. But I think what's crazy with the AHL, I mean – this is like for a goalie standpoint, you know, we have Philip Gustafson who came over from Pittsburgh in a in the Broussard trade, and his AHL numbers hot, hot garbage. They they were horrible. He people were calling him a bust. They, he he wasn't going to amount to anything. And then he comes up to the NHL and lights out, fantastic yep. numbers. He was looking great. He was composed. He was confident. And people were like, people were like, oh, we didn't see this coming. And I'm like, yeah. We, <laughs> guys don't know how AHL hockey works nine times out of ten how a goaltender plays in the AHL will never actually translate to how he plays in the NHL no, no matter if it's good or bad it's a gong show down there and people are starting to realize that that if you're a goaltender and you're going down to the AHL mm-hmm. especially a European it's going to be a gong show yep well it, it it's just like playing beer league hockey where it's like if I play down a level, it's so hard because the game's not moving the way it should. But when you play up, it's to me, it's easier. Yeah. You know, I, I almost play better when I play up. And I think that's the role or the situation some of these AHL goalies fall into. They're like, this should be happening. But, I mean, what we would consider a broken play compared to what they consider a broken play are two, you know, night and day. They're on different planets, but certain things are happening there that to them shouldn't happen. And it's catching them out of position. Yeah. It's just, it's how like goaltender, I, goaltenders, I feel they get a lot of, they got a lot of hate by players who, like, by people who never actually played the position. Yeah. Well, they, they all think, think we do no skating. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, that's not true. Um, yep. You know, sometimes your best goaltender, like the, your best skater is the goaltender. Nine times out of ten, I feel like yeah. if you were to, in a, a pure skating competition, not speed, not, you know, you know, power or anything, just overall skating, the goaltenders are usually the best ones on their feet. Absolutely. But overall, I feel like a lot of people don't understand that, like, you're you have to react to plays you have to be proactive you have to kind of read what's going on you and in the nhl in the ahl there's so much roster turnover game to game let alone you know week to week you have to expect certain players to be in certain positions and you never really gain that kind of chemistry with your teammates the way you would in the nhl you don't really know where they're going to be at a certain time in a certain spot so if you're like, okay, the person should be here accounting for this player, I have the shot, and that person is not accounting for that player, well, that literally leaves a wide-open cross-crease one-timer. Yeah. If you still have to play the shot, you're kind of left in no man's land. So it's like, yeah. it's things like that that I don't think people really take into account no. when evaluating goaltenders. 
No, and luckily, I think NHL teams are starting to take that into account. I mean, you hear it all the time on the Ingle podcast when they talk to some of these goalies, and they're like, yeah, not that long ago, the AHL didn't even have full-time goalie coaches. Now, pretty much every team has a full-time goalie coach. In the NHL clubs, they have, like, goalie departments where, you know, the team has their own goalie coach. They have another one down in the AHL but then they almost have this overseer of goalies, you know, at the top of all of it. And of course they're all, all of them are goalies. Uh, and uh, it, they're investing a lot more in the position now in the uh, understanding of the position, you know, because yeah, for a long time, goalie get sent to the AHL, there was no coaching. They were just kind of figure it out on your own kind of deal. Now there's these development coaches that work with them and it's it's the right move yeah and you're also seeing like you're also seeing development coaches expand like usually if you brought in a development coach that was a former player like a former forward he, he would just strictly if he was defenseman, he would strictly work with the defenseman now yeah. you're seeing more you know players are very smart they don't just work with their position like and i, I think this is a page out of football uh, you know, you have a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of former quarterbacks working with receivers. DB is working with receivers. Receive, former receivers working with DBs because they want to teach them how to get inside of their opponent. And mm-hmm. I think what you're seeing now is the, you know, forwards and defense working with goaltenders to try and get inside, get the goalie to think like, like where the player is and vice versa, which yeah. I think has a lot of benefits to players in the long run when you guys are, when they're mixing that, like when they're mixing with each other, because you guys can start learning about each other and, you know, where to expect and where to be versus just figure it on your, figure it out on your own guys. Yep. Absolutely. So I want to be mindful of time because we've been talking a while and I love it. And this is what I love about the podcast. Cause we can, I can just talk hockey to people. Um, but you have your own podcast, you know, what's, what's the name of it? And where can people find it, first of all? Yeah, so uh, I got two. I have the, the 13th Man uh, Sports Podcast where we kind of just talk sports in general, CFL, NFL, NHL, OHL, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then I have the Sens Hour Podcast, which is just strictly the Sens uh, stuff. You can find the 13th Man uh, 13th Man Sports on Twitter uh, and then Sens underscore Hour on Twitter are the two podcasts where you can find me at. It's been kind of a rough one this year for the Sens just because of time and whatnot. So I'm hoping to get back into that uh, this year as things kind of settle down with work and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's uh, honestly, these podcasts, you can just forget about time and just kind of next thing you know, you have a two hour episode. <laughs> you know, though, I, I love those episodes because sometimes there's those episodes where you struggle to get to an hour and it's like, Oh, I, I uploaded it. And it's like, Oh, I, I did reach an hour. And then there's the other ones where it's like two hours and you're like, man, it felt like we were talking for 45 minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you said you talked to Neil, him and I, like when we get together, we can talk for hours. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those things where we talk for hours on end. And if there wasn't a time, like, Oh wait, we need to get off it, <laughs> the pocket. Like, we could have a live show that would go on for like five hours and we wouldn't even notice. We wouldn't take a break, nothing like that. It would just kind of be continuous. Yeah. Neil and I, we, we were talking and had good conversation going and would have gone longer, 
but he had a um, live show that night. So um, that's the only thing that stopped us uh, that night is the fact that he has his own live show. <laughs> yeah, I think he had the watch along because he's been doing a lot of that. Yeah, recently. And yeah, for people listening, we do watch live along. I uh, watch uh, live watch alongs where we watch NF- like our, our team's games together. Super fun. They're all on YouTube. It actually is a lot of fun. Haven't had a chance to do one yet, um, but going and watching it, like it's just a great time. Yeah, I again, I, I haven't like you haven't had a chance to participate in one, but it seems like it's just you know you're watching a game with a couple buddies and hearing their commentation back and forth and whatever comes up. Yeah, it's kind of great. You get to see your reaction live and. You know, uh, overall, it's just like, it's a fun time where it's like, oh, we get to react live. People, we get to interact with people, see yeah. how they're feeling about the game. It kind of makes it because, like, you can interact with people during the game on Twitter, but there's something different about this that, like, hopefully, I'll be able to do a game or two. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah, it was funny because when the uh, league was starting to look like we might be heading toward another shutdown, I I had uh, put the message on the Slack channel that I got a new GoPro for Christmas where I can now uh, live stream my beer league games. I said, are we going to have to resort to some of the live streams of those? And Neil's like, we, we need to do it anyway. Just need to yeah, check me out. Honestly, honestly, get a GoPro and just upload the image of being in. It'd be sick. That'd be awesome. Yeah. You know, cause I, I do my beer league highlights, but uh, I got a game this week, a Sunday night, and I'm going to see how it works um, because I'm supposed to play if we can find a few more players in an outdoor tournament next weekend in oh, St. Nice. Paul. And that would be a fun live stream, I think. And oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, just, just having somebody like Neil chirp me the whole way. The only thing I got to try and figure out is how do I uh, get a mic and an earpiece so that I can partake in it? <laughs> that that would be the... Uh, you get one of those... Uh, you get mic'd up. Yeah, well, I, I did uh, some filming with uh, Kane Van Gate this weekend while he was in town for the Winter Classic, and we, we mic'd things up. But uh, I, the mic is the easy thing to figure out. It's getting, getting the earpiece to hear what you guys are saying about me during the live stream. That's the difficult part. Uh, Bluetooth headset connects you straight to the, the computer. You can connect to the, the live yeah. stream. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to have to do some homework and figure that one out. I, I think that would be fun. Probably only, you know, the two or three of us that are participating and putting it together would be the ones watching, but I think it'd be funny. Hey, it'd make for great content, that's for it, sure. Exactly, exactly. So what got you into podcasting? For me personally, it was, I've always wanted it. Like, I've always enjoyed the idea of talking about sports and, mm-hmm. and being like doing this. It was just... Like I have ADHD. Um, so I get hyper-focused and like I get into things quickly and then I drop them quickly. Um, so for me, it was always like, you know, do I really want to do it? And if I do it, can I commit to it? Or is it not something I'm going to enjoy this and the other thing? And then it was probably October of 2019 where I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm just, I'm going to get into it. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Um, I started writing at that point and it was just like uh, Dylan found me on Twitter and he's like, Hey, we want you to join the network. And I'm like, cool. And I kind of, that's just how I went into it. Like I wanted to do, like I wanted to go into radio broadcasting and whatnot. So it's just, 
this was my my step into it yeah yeah that's awesome you know as i've mentioned before on the podcast you know for me it was i've been thinking about it didn't really vocalize it much but my family knew and finally for father's day they just bought me the the microphone and a book on you know how to start your own podcast and was like do it <laughs> you know so in, in that fall i i launched the podcast and here we are i think this is gonna be episode 64 you know 64 episodes later some awesome guests that i've had on uh and some awesome ones i've got lined up for the coming weeks and it's like as long as i can keep scheduling goalies and good guests i'm gonna keep it up yeah i mean like it was going strong and then, you know, COVID happened and whatnot, which yep. kind of derailed a lot of things. But honestly, I love doing it. It's just a matter of, you know, consistency and, you know, making yeah. sure that you have the time and whatnot. And I mean, guests are a huge thing. Getting getting as many guests as you can, I always feel like make it, make it worth it. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I didn't pigeonhole myself with only finding pro goalies. Um, at the same time, my first job out of college was a journalist for a small weekly, you know, local paper, but I was covering sports and I learned, you know, those pro athletes, they have good stories. They're fun to hear and listen to, but it's those no-name athletes that have almost better stories that you want to hear. You just don't know it. And so, some of the best episodes I've had have been with beer league goalies and high school goalies it's like nobody else nobody would ever have a reason to listen to those people if it wasn't for the podcast so now now they've had a chance to hear their story yeah i mean it's always getting those kind of people because like for me like i I, like the the 13th man one that we started it actually started off as like a player specific like we wanted players to come on and kind of talk more about themselves and, Mm -hmm. you know, their upbringing more than just the athlete. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of where things started. And then, you know, the, the other guy that I work with, he's, he's in school for journalism. So we kind of expanded to writing and whatnot. And now we're entering in technically year two of this. And it's just, it's crazy how things can just kind of, you know, spiral down quickly. Yeah, but in a good, a good way. way. <laughs> and it's it's been great. Yeah, it, it is crazy. And, you know, my family for New Year's, we, we put together our vision boards and we come up. And uh, the last few years, my vision board has included things I want to do for the podcast, you know, in the coming year. And it's funny because as we're doing them this year, we were looking back at the old ones and even my kids were like, did you do this and this and this for the podcast? I was like, yes, I did. So, <laughs> you know, as I was uh, putting this year's together, I was very intentional with what I wanted to do uh, for the podcast. And one of my biggest things is consistency uh, because I think that's where a lot of podcasts lose listeners is inconsistency. Uh, there's been some great podcasts that I liked, but they might go four, five, six weeks without an episode, and it's like then I forget about them. Yeah, that, that's kind of what happened. Like, what's kind of happened with me is that like you get you get busy with other things, and it's like yeah, you kind of just forget that you have this other thing going on, and it's like 
then because like the 13th man when we were doing really well we were posting episodes every week and then we just got busy with everything and then we kind of lost it so 2022 like we've we've gained a lot in terms of like media internet like writing but now we want to get the podcast going the youtube going yeah. stuff like that so yeah. it's just a matter of posting consistently and posting not just consistently but like quality content too you yeah. can post as much as you want you know you can post an episode a day but if it's not quality episodes it doesn't matter yeah i, I don't think some uh listeners and content consumers realize what goes into producing all of that content because even writing a blog there's a lot that goes into that. And then just the amount of time it takes to then promote it on social and, you know, a simple podcast, even though I do very little editing, it still takes me a minimum of an hour to do, you know, the editing and post-production stuff before I can upload it. And, you know, when, when you work a full-time job and have kids and everything else, that gets tough. Luckily, my family is very supportive of it. Uh, so I, am also mindful and try and only schedule one interview a week. Sometimes there's two because I might be working with, you know, a, a pro goalie or something where I got to work around the schedule, but th- that I try and keep that to a minimum because that also prevents me from burning out. Yeah. Like I had, you know, I've, this is my third recording this week, but this is the most I've done in probably like three months. Yeah because I've been so focused with work and everything else where I've just been like, I have no time for anything. Yep. You know, I, as much as I want to get into it, like I, I can't afford to put time into it. So like, this is, this is my third one so far. And I, I hope that it'll be, you know, two a week for the most part. But yeah. Yeah. I think once like, it, it should be a lot of fun over the, the 2022. And I mean, obviously if you ever want more guests, I'm, I'm obviously would love to come down. Yep. So I'm going to say for the second time, being mindful of time, if you've listened to any of the episodes, you know, I close out each one with a list of 10 rapid fire questions. Uh, I'll always call them rapid fire, but they're not, they take some time. Uh, And what I like about them, those are the same 10 questions I've asked every single guest. Um, All 63, um, regardless of skill level and I'm kind of kicking myself because I didn't start this at the beginning, but I've been going back and re-listening to the rapid fires of all 63 episodes. So it's going to take me a while, but I'm putting together a spreadsheet to track the answers to see how they match up uh, and see what the most popular responses are to them. Uh, And the first one is what is the craziest coaching moment from your playing days? If it's going to be hockey, it's Probably I was 14. Uh, it was summer ball hockey. It wasn't even ice hockey. I was playing it with a couple of friends. They, they needed a goalie. So I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll play this. I wasn't even part of the team. Like I wasn't, like I was playing football, but they, it was one of my like non-practice days. So I was like, sure, I'll play this game. I'll, I'll hop in net for you guys. The opposing team's coach broke his clipboard over his knee and then stormed off. Like it looked like like one of those like classic NHL moments, because one of his players accidentally scored on his own net. <laughs> and it wasn't like again, I'm on the other side, so I can't actually see what's going on. But all I see, all I, like, one of my friends at the time was actually on the like in the offensive zone when it happened. The guy passed it to his teammate while his teammate was like 
They were looking at each other. He passed it to him. And as he's passing it, the guy looks away and it bounces off the guy's foot and into the net. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Because I guess their goaltender wasn't paying attention to you. Oh, boy. And it, it's vivid. Because it was like my what? It was my one, like my first what the actual hell just happened moment. So I, I like that one because I was a freshman in high school and we were in the state playoffs. And our coach got thrown out of the game for simply questioning a ref's call. And it's not like he used colorful language or anything. And he throws his clipboard and it breaks on my teammate's helmet. And then he has to storm off, you know, but the rink we were playing at had these stairs up to like a storage room that the door is locked in their metal stairs at that. So he just like stomps up the stairs and sits at the top of them, like pouting. So I, I can only imagine what the kids on the other bench were, were thinking. And uh, to bring that story full circle is that coach was going to school to be a psychiatrist. And he invited me and the kid who he broke the clipboard over his head. He invited us to his wedding. So we got him a clipboard as a wedding gift. And Amazing. yeah, and like his, his wife, they were dating at this time. So she knew the story going in. She, in fact, I think she was there, but they were allowing people to get up and talk during the reception rather than tapping the glasses and they'd have to kiss. He'd have to get up and tell a story of, you know, some of your fondest memories of the two. So me and TJ, we get up and you see the look on Paul's face. He's like, no. You two go sit, like he even told us, you two go sit down. And Wendy's going, no, no, I want to hear what these fellas have to say. Um, so then fast forward a couple more years, and Paul and his family are in Minnesota now going to the Mall of America. So I meet up with them for dinner, and he's got three young boys, and they're telling stories. And Paul's telling some ones of me, you know, that don't make me look too good. And I go, has your dad ever told you the time that he got thrown out of a hockey game? And they're like, no, tell us this one. And he's like, don't, don't. And his wife's just sitting there like, you did it. And so I tell him the story, you know, he breaks the clipboard and they're all like, dad. And then they go full on like parent mode. They're like, how did that make you feel? Because he's a psychiatrist. They're like, how did that make you feel, dad? Did you try these techniques to calm down, dad? And it was just like perfect to bring it back to his own kids. <laughs> uh, amazing. That's honestly great. Yeah. Uh, so the next question, what's your favorite all-time goalie mask? Ooh, this is, this is difficult. Anything with uh, Ed Belfort is top five. Easily, like his, yeah. I think the Eagle always amazing. Patrick Williams, the uh, Martian, yeah, you know, Martian on his helmet, uh, iconic. Uh, Theodore's helmet was like, I wonder if Montreal, like when he was in Montreal, his helmet was iconic. Oleg Kolzig, I don't know how he wasn't brought up in this episode, but like, <laughs> there are so many iconic ones, I can't pick. Like, this is a hard question for me. Um, if I had the one that actually like stands out. I think early, like, 2000s, like, when Luongo was first in Florida, his first thing, he, his mask actually had, like, like the Panther's mouth Pink Panther. open on it, and it looked like he was, like, the, the, the teeth were at the top and the bottom. I think it, I think it was Luongo. I thought that was Fitzpatrick uh, that had that one. Well, 
Um, I feel like a lot of goalies. Man, have had man style. had that iconic one with the armadillo mask, and then I yeah. know Fitzpatrick had one like that. I never, I didn't think Longo had one. I'm gonna have to look that one up. I remember he had the Pink Panther mask, where he was wearing yeah. like a Ken Dryden type mask. He, he had some good ones in Florida. There's another goalie. Did. I didn't like him at the time, uh, but when, when you go back and look at his body of work, he was just so good. Um, yeah, yeah. It, you know, talking, maybe it was a Roberto Longo. I mean, he was went, like I was I was young when he was there. So yeah. you talk about uh, crazy coaching moments in Luongo. I was at a Hawks game, sitting eight rows behind Luongo, and Mike Keenan was coaching the Panthers. And he had one of his epic tirades where he's throwing sticks on the ice at the referees while plays going on and everything else. And it's like, yep, classic Mike Keenan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the next question is, what's your favorite rink that you've played at? So I've played out at Canadian Tire Center. Or at the time, it was still the Corral Center. Um, that was one of my favorites because, I mean, Playing at an NHL rink is always going to be my favorite. Yeah. Um, I think that the under, like, we ha- there's a rink in Ottawa. It's uh, the Barbara and Scott Arena. Uh, it's one of our, our teams played the, the Ottawa West uh, and Golden Knights. Uh, that something about that arena, like it's small but it's good. Like it, it's just you you hear these uh, arenas that are like uh, that old like cozy feeling. Yeah that's what it kind of provides. Like, it's just like you, you play in it and you're like, wow, like it's so inviting. It's so nice. It's the, the stands are nice. The lighting, everything about it is nice. The change rooms, when I played, they were good. Like they didn't feel like they were crummy, weird, creepy. Like (laughs) it was just a nice cozy arena to play at. And like, I go back to it and I'm like, damn, like even as a spectator watching these games, it's comfortable. Like I like being here. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned there's the rinks where everything's nice, and then you get into the locker room, and you're like, oh, was it an afterthought when they were designing this place, or what? Was this on purpose to make us feel uncomfortable? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I also played out at, like, what used to be the Civic Center. Um, I played a game there. Like, I there was also, you know, I played out in a tournament in Brockville, and their arena was and even uh, Pembroke with the Lumberkings, uh, Lumberkings play. I didn't play a, an official game. It was a pickup game, but still a very good arena. Yep. So what is your favorite stick that you've used? Ooh, this is a difficult one. Um, oh, man, I don't even That's remember. why I ask it. See, I grew up as a CCM kid. Yep. Like all my all my stuff used to be CCM for the most part. But I never really cared about the name of the sticks. So I cannot answer that because I do not remember because I don't have it anymore. Yeah, see, I don't always remember what pattern the sticks were, but the make I could usually remember of the yeah. sticks I've used. Um, but yeah, C- CCMs, I had the uh, CC, it was the Healy 10 back when CCM had just taken over Heaton. And it was a CCM Colzig. And I, I, I used that one for a long time. That's probably the best yeah, I think CCM my, stick my, I had. My first stick, oh man, yeah, I can't even remember the name because again, I don't like. Yeah, I, I'm horrible for names to begin with. Asking me to remember, like, try to remember a hockey stick name, I, 
could not tell you because I never really cared about um, the 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 look or the like. I I didn't care about the look. I always cared about the feel. So right, I never really gravitated to like this like a specific stick model. I would just go and try out a couple of different sticks and kind of whatever felt right in my hand. Yeah. Well, that was the one that I went with. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I feel the same way. In fact, I just got a Vaughn stick for the first time and I loved the feel. I was like, why didn't I use one of these sooner? Um, That to me, that's what's most important, not the name on it. Uh, So what is your favorite youth hockey memory? So uh, I don't know if you've heard about it, but um, one of them, and I mean, this one was kind of my, like, I can actually be, like, if I took goalie being, like, playing hockey seriously, like I did with football, I probably could have, like, been a pretty good goaltender. I'm not, like, I not to toot my own horn, but, like, it was kind of that moment where I'm like, wow, like, if I actually put my mind to this, I could, you know, possibly do something with it. Um, Battle Capital Cup. It was my first like shutout. And as a kid, that's huge because you're generally, you know, you're playing on bad teams and whatnot. One player of the game. And it was just one of those like confidence boosts where you're like, mm-hmm. I cannot like, yeah, I'm not playing at the highest level, obviously, but like as a 10 year old, you're not thinking that you're like, wow, I just won player of the game at a big tournament. I, I got a shutout at a big tournament against a team that I don't normally play against. I could, I, you know, it was, it was just a confidence boost as a 10 year old being like, Hey, maybe I can do this when I'm older kind of thing. Yep. No, that, that, that's a good one. I like it. Uh, so what's the best chirp you've heard on the ice, off the ice, in the locker room, directed at you, not directed at you. Maybe you've chirped uh, at somebody else. So this is actually probably recently. <laughs> um, so a couple of years ago, probably like 2019, um, someone it was again ball hockey because it's just easier to play uh, during the summer than yeah. trying to rent like place in in Canada because it's ridiculously expensive during the summer. Um, basically, you remember when Marchand licked the Tampa yes. player, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So we're playing a game, and all I hear was, "I'm gonna pull a Marchand on you and lick you," and. <laughs> It's not much, but just to hear someone say that to somebody else, you're just like, you, you have to take a step back and be like, what what just happened? Yep. Yeah, I, I like it. Uh, so what's the worst post-game beer you've had? Uh, Budweiser. <laughs> Like, okay, I don't drink much. Like, I'm not much of a drinker, yeah. and I'm not huge into beer. But no matter, like, every time I have a Budweiser, I just, I, I hate it. Yeah. It's gross. Um, like, I, I can't do it. I just, I feel like it, just, it doesn't sit well with my stomach. Like, it just, the aftertaste is bad. It's not my go-to. Like, I'll drink it if, it, like, if I have to. Like, if it's there, and I'm like, oh, I kind of want to drink. I'll force myself into it, but it's definitely not my first choice. Yep. My grandfather referred to Budweiser as cat pee. 
Um, and that said something because he really liked beer and it really didn't matter what beer it was as long as it was beer and he wouldn't touch Budweiser. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't do it. Yep. So when you tape your stick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Ooh. So player stick, I go toe to heel. Goalie stick, I go uh, heel to toe. Okay. Yeah, most goalies I've talked to go heel to toe. And this is the question that prompted me to go back and start listening to everything so I could get the exact breakdown of what the percentage is. It is. So I'm hoping to get that done sooner or later, and I can just start keeping that up on my uh, blog so people can see where it's sitting. Um, so what's your favorite number to wear and why? 30 and because of birder. That's a good reason. Like yeah. <laughs> you again, favorite player growing up, like overall it, it was Berder and then Heatley were my two favorites. So goalie, it's goalie will always be 30. I will never want anything but 30. I mean, I, maybe I'll wear a one because I have worn that in the past. And like, I am a Luongo fan. So I'll fight. It's either it's my, my four numbers really are 30 and one and then 15 and nine. Okay. I like it. So last question, what advice do you have for young goaltenders? Take the summer off. Uh, I've had the, the pleasure of, of talking to a lot of young goaltenders and being able to go to some of the camps. And it's like, and, and this is, and even in football, it's like a lot of people start specializing in a sport at one at a young age. Yep. You're 10 years old. You don't need to start specializing in hockey at 10 years old. Go play another sport. Um you know, yeah, maybe do a couple, maybe do a camp or two during the summer. That's fine. But go play another sport, you know, go yeah. play golf, go, go play basketball or soccer or baseball. You'll be better for it in the long run. You're 10 years old. You do not need to spend every waking minute focusing on this one sport in this one position 24 seven, go out, have some fun. And also understand that you're going to have ups and downs and, and that's okay. You're, you're not, you're not going to be perfect every day. No one is. And it's just understanding that like when you hit that wall, sometimes it's okay to, to pull back yep. instead of fighting it. Because at the end of the day, you, that wall is not going to go anywhere. The more you push at it, sometimes you really need to take that back and attack it from a different angle. Yeah. And th- that's great advice to take, take the off season off. And, and I hope that if COVID gave us anything is it gave some of those young athletes and their parents that realization that, yeah, you can take time off from the sport and it'd be good for you. Um, Almost better for you than if you played year round. Uh, Now I was the kid that I chose to play hockey year round, but it was my choice. Um, In fact, mom and dad were trying to get me to play other sports. It's like, no, I love the game of hockey so much. And, you know, they they could see it and they understand it. So I'm not saying every kid has to play different sports all the time because there are kids that were like me where it's like they just live eat breathe the game and that's all they want to do great let them do it but let them do it on their own terms yeah because i mean if a kid wants to do it it will never tiring the yep. minute you start forcing them to do it they'll stop enjoying it and i think yep. i've seen a lot of kids who think that, oh, I need to practice every day. I need to be on the ice every day. And a lot of parents start thinking, like, think the same thing. And they get burned out. They stop enjoying it. They're tired. They don't have a social life. Yeah. You know, all they know is, you know, wake up, 
eat, practice, repeat. Like that, that's kind of their, their routine. And it's like, you know, I, I work at a hockey focused store. Um, I have rolled like, you know, my, on my significant other side, uh, she has, you know, family who's in hockey who go to school and specialize in hockey, but they also do other things outside. Yeah. And it's like, I've seen a lot of parents be like, I need this, this, and this for, for my kid. And I'm like, that's fine. You can spend your money on it. But is this, is this what your kid's asking for? Or is this what you're wanting him to do? Yeah. And I think a lot of parents have the right intentions. They think they're, they honestly believe what they're doing is what's best for their, their child. And you know what? That's great. You, it, but sit down and talk to them. See, see if that's actually what they want to do. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones using it. You're the ones wasting your money on it if they're not going to use it. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think that's a great uh, note to end on, but more importantly, where can people find you on social media if they want to follow you first? Yeah. So you can follow my personal at uh, Shane underscore RY 13. Uh, like mentioned earlier, uh, you have the 13th man sports podcast. You can follow or 13th man sports. Um, you can follow us at 13th man sports on Twitter, uh, Facebook. We have our website, everything posted there. And then as well as the sends hour at sent underscore hour on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. And, and I'll put those in the show notes as well for those goalies like myself who have probably already forgotten what those were. <laughs> that way <laughs> they can right. just click on them and, and get there. Um, so thank you for your time. Like, like you mentioned, when we started, you know, we were trying to get this done and, you know, life gets in the way. So I'm glad we were able to uh, get it done and connect. Yeah, and hopefully I can uh, come back on sometime later this year and uh, continue the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, thank you. Shane was a fun guy to talk to. As I mentioned, we had to adjust our schedules after originally planning to talk before the new year. Be sure to follow Shane on Twitter at Shane underscore RY13 and the Sends Hour podcast on social media at sends underscore hour, and of course the 13th Man Sports Podcast on social media at 13th Man Sports, no spaces. You can always find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey videos, and of course all podcast episodes. If you want some Wash Up Goalie or Tendy Talk Apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many lists here, but shows like the Leaf Sky Podcast, the San Jose Hockey Now podcast and the Bob Matthews podcast can all be found. And if you're visiting DraftKings, be sure to use THPN as your promo code. I need to thank the band Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm always working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie, who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washedupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, 
Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Timmy Talk. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Right